Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Headlines on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm your host, Ragini Singh Pawar, along with my co-host, Vicky Lee. Beyond the Headlines is a weekly current affairs show that aims to make public policy discussions more accessible to you. We take you beyond the headlines of our daily news, bringing you access to current leaders through in-depth interviews. You can join us in the conversation by tweeting at beyond underscore headlines. That's B-Y-O-N-D underscore headlines. The semiconductor industry has become a lightning rod for geopolitical tensions between the US and China. Competition in the technological frontier has become an arena where both the US and China are competing for dominance. In 2022, the Biden administration signed the Chips and Science Act into law to bolster semiconductor manufacturing in the US and enacted sweeping export controls against China. This week's episode takes a deep dive into how geopolitical tensions between the US and China are impacting the semiconductor industry and their broader ramifications for the global economy. Through a conversation with Antonio Hamedi of the Mercator Institute for China Studies, the first segment of the episode breaks down the impacts of the chip war on the economies of the US and China and takes a look at how the US is changing the way export controls are being used. In the second segment, we have a conversation with Benjamin Bergen from the Council of Canadian Innovators. This segment provides a Canadian perspective on the chip war and whether Canada should pursue its own long-term goal of domestic semiconductor production. So our second guest is Benjamin Bergen. Benjamin is the president of the Council of Canadian Innovators, a national nonpartisan business council of the 21st century economy, led by over 150 CEOs of Canada's fastest growing homegrown technology scale-ups. CCI is focused on optimizing the growth of Canada's innovation-based sector, and Benjamin leads the execution of its ambitious economic development agenda. So in 2023, CCI has been working with leading Canadian companies, which feed into the global semiconductor supply chain, and calling on Canada to develop a national semiconductor strategy. So Ben, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. And I know we had a lot of back and forth scheduling with this interview, but truly though, we're really, really happy to finally have you on here with us. Um, thank you so much. Just quickly, thank you so much, Vicky, uh, for for having me. It's great to be able to get to talk to folks about something that's really so critical uh, to Canada. Um, so the fact that you guys have found time and space for this is 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 awesome. Thank you. We're we're excited to learn from you. So um, my first question for you is that we spent a lot of time in the previous sector talk uh, section talking about the U.S. and China's trade war, right? Specifically in the semiconductor industry. I want to ask you, where do you think Canada wind up in all of this? So in other words, to what extent does Biden's Chip and Science Act impact Canada? Yeah, so I think the piece here that's kind of important to sort of think about is the cards are being reshuffled and they're being reshuffled by kind of the global players in the space. So, you know, I'm not sure how kind of in-depth your previous guests kind of went on this sort of division that's happening between the U.S. and China But in essence, right, this is being viewed not only through an economic lens, but also through a power lens and the ability to have military capacity and some of those facets that tie into it. And really kind of the impetus for all of this is really um, what we've seen happen globally, where, uh, you know, supply chains are being disrupted, where almost the kind of bifurcation of the world is sort of occurring. And the U.S., 
has really woken up to realize that some of its most key elements in its supply chain are at risk, um, specifically thinking around countries like Taiwan, which produce, you know, an absurd uh, percentage of, of the chip um, capacity in the world, specifically on certain areas. And so the, the Americans are really viewing this as a national secu security component. And so there's going to be um, nearshoring uh, and there's going to be friendshoring, which is kind of talked about. And so given this kind of dynamic um, change that's about to occur and billions of dollars are going to flow, now is kind of a moment for countries, whether it be Canada or others, to try and actually figure out how they can play into that supply chain. And so I think for Canada, there's kind of two things that, that can happen, right? One, we can kind of do business as usual, which is the federal government and provincial governments giving money to semiconductors companies for, you know, basic research or, um, you know, grants here and there. And ultimately nothing really coming of it, right? Ultimately um, just sort of the kind of status quo. Or the government can be bold and the government can actually do what all other countries have done in order to build a successful innovation economy around semiconductors. And that's act as a coordinator. So when you kind of go through the history of the semiconductor industry, it's not just one of those things where it can be laissez-faire, like you just allow the market to create it. Government's got to get in there. They got to get dirty. They got to figure out what parts of the, of the chain that they want to play in. And so our real call to the government here is this is an opportunity. It's a, it's a small opportunity. It's, it's not in terms of value, but in terms of timeline. And this landscape is shifting quickly. And, you know, when you look at the different moments in history where things have shifted and, and um, you know, the book Chip Wars really kind of underscores that it is moments where it's a small group of people getting together, making decisions about areas that they want to go after in the semiconductor space and then fighting like hell in order to accomplish it. And so that's kind of where sort of, I think we're kind of at this moment where we need to make a decision. Is this an area that Canada wants to play in? We're already spending hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in terms of funding these things, but we're just not being strategic in terms of planning. How do we build into the supply chain? And we're going to hear comments from, you know, external folks saying, oh, Canada's too small. Canada's insignificant. Canada, you know, can't do that. But if you look at the, you know, the players in the space, right, I mean, it's the Netherlands, right, that has, you know, an amazing company that's been able to generate, you know, a huge portion of value through um, ASML in the semiconductor space. And that's, I think, the kind of the, the debate that, you know, we at the council want to get into. We're working with these scale and technology companies. Now we've got to build a strategy with the government to figure out how we're going to play into that. So. I think we're at the beginning of this journey. This is the first small step. This is not an end. Um, and like all strategies, they need to be iterative. Yeah, yeah. No, then I want to follow up with that uh, that points you've made. You said that this can be an opportunity for Canada to really step up into the chip game, right? But um, if I may use the word notoriously, Canada is notoriously known to you know losing its hands to the U.S. with this recent move that the U.S. is not hiring people as much as they used to from China. They're going to hire more people from Canada. Do you see this as a potential brain drain problem to Canada in you know pursuing its in, uh, innovation future? Yeah. So the brain drain kind of chicken and egg question <laughs> is is a, it's a challenge, right? And it's a challenge mm -hmm. we as Canadians face. But I think the actual solution to it is building successful technology companies that people want to work at and that can actually pay people well. 
And so if the government kind of continues down what I'll call a branch plant innovation economy, you'll continue to see that sucking of highly skilled workers going to the US because people in their lives want to build and do cutting edge and interesting things if they're in that space. Mm -hmm. And so if all you're doing is working at a, an assembly plant in Milton that's producing chips that are designed in the Netherlands or in Taiwan or in South Korea, that's where you're going to want to go. And the government has to realize that you've got to build some successful domestic companies in order to keep the talent that you're training and educating. And one of the arguments we really make um, with the government is kind of what's happened with um, the government's AI strategy. Um, I'm not sure, you know, Vicky, if you're familiar with that, but no, you know, no, the government I put, yeah. <laughs> so the government put, you know, basically tens of millions of dollars into this national AI strategy. And um, the Council of Canadian Innovators, you know, kind of raised some red flags and said, you know, you've really got to center it on building companies that can generate wealth and prosperity for the country in order for it to be a success. Having, you know, programs that ultimately are just about training people in AI is good, but it's kind of just the first step in terms of what's really required. And um, Sean Sokoff from the Globe and Mail uh, about two weeks ago um, wrote, you know, a really great piece about, you know, ultimately the folks that were leading the AI strategy didn't understand how an innovation economy works. Um, and an innovation economy works by building companies that generate intellectual property and data that they can then go and seek rents from. And so what our kind of concern here is if the federal government is going to move forward on some sort of semiconductor strategy, that it's not going to be Canadian technology companies that are at the center of it, that it is going to be kind of foreign multinationals. And the table setting for it to be a success won't be there. And what we're going to find is waking up five years from now that this opportunity has been squandered and that, you know, we've spent billions of dollars on it, but it hasn't generated the return on investment that we as Canadians need in order to, you know, fund our um, our society, right? You know, we need successful technology firms in order to pay for healthcare, education, you know, roads, housing, list kind of goes on. And to your comment about sort of the notorious comment about folks leaving and going to other jurisdictions to kind of pull it back is that that happens when you don't have the firms for people to be at. And we've got to really kind of buttress that and really support the building of successful technology companies. You know, one of the great things about a company like Shopify, as an example, is it's a success. And people want to work at a success. And so Shopify has been able to bring amazing executives from the U.S. who have capacity and abilities that we just don't have in Canada because mm -hmm. we haven't grown these kind of companies to places like Ottawa and to places like Toronto. Oh, yeah. And so that's the thing that we need to do in order to keep our talent here. You can't, you know, um, uh, not allow them to leave the country. You can't, uh, you know, not uh, you know, take away their passports. you got to build successful companies. And that's hard. Because you can't, it's not just about giving grants, it's about going into the deeper policy frameworks that are required. Mm -hmm. No, that, that totally makes sense. And I think I've read the article that you've written uh, recently on Global Mails. You were talking about there were some Canadian startup semiconductor companies. I think in the article you listed out, uh, if I'm pronouncing this right, Testorant and uh, Renovus, that are currently competing with the larger companies. Um, then my question for you is that, what 
these companies are small, right? They're less known. They probably pay less than big companies, say AMD and NVIDIA. What can they have? What do they have to keep the Canadian workers to work for them? Yeah, so um, this is actually some work that, that the council did uh, kind of five years ago. So you're allowing me to kind of go back into my time machine of, <laughs> of good work that, that we've done. So thank you, Vicky. I don't know if you teed that up intentionally. But what I would say is, you know, people enjoy working on interesting projects and cutting edge projects and uh, so, sorry, leading edge projects. And these companies are doing that. They're doing work that is uh, niche. Yeah, it's interesting and it's dynamic and being able to get your hands into that type of work, you know, really appeals to some individuals. The other thing that we also have a tool in Canada is stock options. So individuals uh, can be able to access stock options, which means if the company does become, you know, a big success, they benefit from that. And so that's a tool that, um, uh, the Liberal government in 2016 was potentially going to change. Um, but it was a group of CEOs collectively getting together, going to Ottawa, speaking to key ministers, speaking to civil servants, and basically saying, look, you know, you're removing one of the tools that we as Canadians have to actually keep highly skilled workers here. And if you take that from us, it's going to be real, real hard to, to keep workers in Canada. Because we don't have the ability to raise capital like they do in the United States from, you know, these large VCs. So this is actually, you know, kind of a good analogy where when industry collectively comes together, they help educate the government on what they need in order to be successful. So I think there's the component around, um, you know, what are government policies around uh, taxation and, and some of those rules that, that can help keep folks here. But then also the component around it being cutting edge and being you know dynamic and interesting, mm -hmm. and the the companies that we mentioned in the op ed competing against some of these large firms is that that language is a little bit tricky because um, it often will be in collaboration. So, so a company oh. like Renovus does something does something that's super specific and super niche. Them kind of owning that space is really where kind of wealth. And, and and prosperity will come from in terms of them building a successful company. And I think I think maybe it's important for your for your uh, you know listeners and the audience to know is like the strategy that Canada is going to build is going to be different than any anywhere else, right? It's got to be a Canadian strategy that plugs into our strengths and our capabilities. Mm -hmm. And you know we're not advocating that the federal government go and do what they've done in the U.S. and build or propose to build you know a twenty billion dollar semiconductor uh, fabrication plant uh, like they're yes. doing in Ohio or a $40 billion one in, uh, in Arizona. Um, and obviously this was kind of a highlight of um, uh, the president's state of the union last night. I don't know if you saw some of the, the kind of key components of it, but, but um, what we have to really figure out as a country is how are we going to play in specific areas within semiconductors and I've already mentioned them, but the Netherlands has actually kind of done this sort of genius where they have actually assembled technology from all over the world. And their company um, is, sorry, the company uh, ASLM is kind of yeah. the only company in the world that can actually produce or has to go through in order to produce extremely valuable, high quality chips. And so in terms of their value that they're able to extract is, is massive. So much so that 
as this world is being bifurcated and, and we kind of talked about it yeah. in the earlier question, the Americans have to go to the Netherlands and basically say, please do not give this technology to China at this capacity to China. And so here we have, you know, look, Netherlands is a you know great place and, and all that kind of good stuff, but like, it's a small country, right? It's not, yeah. it's not some world power, you know, that has <laughs> the ability to, to do crazy stuff. But here the Americans basically have to go and be like, hey guys, we really need you not to do this because if China is able to get this type of capacity, they may race forward in the chip wars. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of the place where Canada should sort of play for, right? How do we build in a specific component that we can own and dominate and really be um, involved in these types of, uh, of, of discussions and these types of, of actions? And it has kind of a knockoff effect in a couple of ways. One, there's the geopolitical perspective of, of yeah. what that looks like. And in terms of us being able to um, uh, really sort of exert Canadian values and, and those things kind of globally. And then there's the economic component. And so semiconductors is interesting in that sense that um, it allows both, um, allows for both. It's not just a pure economic play, which I think mm -hmm. is really, really interesting. I want to go back to the topic when we we're talking about, you know, the Can Canadian government and how they can help with the semiconductor industry. What do you think the government can do with their policy to assist these Canadian chip manufacturers in adjusting to this more volatile landscape of uh, semiconductors? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I feel like sometimes people want like a, soupy, a super like kind of like sexy answer, like <laughs> they should yeah. give them this. Yeah, and then everything will be done. But when you look at how countries have done this, it really has been a collaborative approach and it's actually also been an incremental approach that's iterative, right? These things need to constantly be updated and changed. It can't just be a, we did the policy, we gave the money, it's all good, right? You've got to figure out where the places that strengths and opportunities are emerging because like Moore's Law, hopefully your your previous guest talked about Moore's Law, this stuff is changing rapidly, really, really quickly, and in terms of also the capacity. So government, first of all, has got to be dynamic, which I know for governments is hard, but they got to be dynamic. And really what our ask is, um, uh, is actually three, three pieces as just a first step, right? And um, first one is definitely that the government needs to begin... Um, regular talks with industry players on the landscape of what is going on. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is forming, you know, a formal working group of some type that looks at pulling in information that we're getting from uh, Canadian uh, leaders and CEOs in the space that's reflecting on what are our capabilities, what are our capacities, how do we make connections? You know, how do we figure out what people in Vancouver are doing and linking it with what folks in Montreal are doing and how do we share some of those kind of components about what's really required. So definitely the first thing is the government needs to basically build a um, that type of working group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Second piece as part of that is really figuring out um, what capabilities we have. I'm going to say something that's, you know, a little bit spicy in government relations circles. Um, so you're getting kind of the best key that I can, I can bring is that government doesn't even really know what capabilities we have. And so I had some uh, conversations in late December with some rather senior folks in ISAID 
And they kind of said to us, like, can you bring us companies that we can talk to regarding semiconductors? Like, we don't know who they are. And what makes kind of all this a bit a bit odder is that government is actually funding them through potentially other arms of the government. So whether it be through things like IRAP or shred dollars or, you know, different grants here and there. But the government doesn't even have an inventory of what capacity we have in this country. And so that's the other thing that the government really needs to do is they need to almost take like an inventory of like, what do we have and what are we going to do with it? And mm -hmm. it's a little bit like when you kind of go into your kitchen and you're like, what am I making for dinner tonight? Well, what do you got in there? Right. Yeah. You know, if you want hamburgers, but you don't have ground beef, you're not having hamburgers. <laughs> and that's kind of the thing that I think we've got to really figure out is like, you know, who are our companies? What do they do? Where are we specializing in? And what are we experts in? And how do we lean in on the winners? Right. Government doesn't like to choose yeah. winners yeah. or build winners. But how do we support and lean in on the winners? And a company like Renovus, like they're winning. And how do we help support them? How do we help get them further ahead? And it's not just through money, it's through complex things like, you know, IP, data regimes, um, you know, government procurement, like there's all these different tools that, that can be kind of kind of levered. So, you know, number one is you got to start talking to people about, you know, what they need. Number two, you got to have an inventory of what the companies are that we have in our country um, from coast to coast to coast. Um, and then number three is the government's got to commit to a robust consultation of what kind of that first leg of what is required for us to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be too prescriptive here because yeah. we don't have number two. We don't, we don't have a proper inventory of where we're, where we're leaders. So, you know, if it turns out that Canada needs to build a photonics um, plant in order to support photonics semiconductor capacity, maybe that's one of the recommendations. And I, I'm not saying that that will be in our list, but that might be the type of thing that, we've got to figure out we need in order for us to advance um, the, the, the space. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that, that's kind of like, that's where I kind of see us at. And I think if anyone kind of comes out and says, oh, Canada needs to build a fab or Canada needs this or Canada needs that, I'm a bit, I'm a bit concerned because it often indicates that you really don't know what the hell's going on mm -hmm. and you don't really know how innovation policy actually works. Um, and you're going to go out and spend a ton of money, um, but you're not going to actually get the outputs that you want, which is good jobs, economic growth, ownership of companies, you know, huge revenues, and then ultimately taxation, and then good social programs for us as people, right? Mm -hmm. You said that this is going to be like a very costly process, and I do agree with you. This whole auditing process of seeing like what we need as the Canada government is a very costly process. Do you see Canada's government have this capacity to start doing this? Or do you think this is maybe not on the top of their agenda list? You know, there's healthcare that we have to worry about. There's the environment that we have to worry about. Like, where does the semiconductor thing lie within the agenda? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's great. So you're doing the, the real kind of classic debate around, you know, economics, you know, <laughs> programs, all that kind of, kind of stuff. So I think, I think, I think we got to walk and chew gum at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we got to we got to do many things at, at at different times, and so let's just backtrack a little bit. Yeah, we're already spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year on semiconductors, right? That's already happening through um, research dollars that are going out through things like Shred, uh, IRAP, um, the the semiconductors. You might um, want to expand those uh, acronyms for us listeners. 
Yeah, yeah, no, fair. So in essence, I mean, in essence, what they are is they're often either tax credits for a company to do a specific project, uh, or it's a tax credit on research and development that a company has done. And Canada actually has some good funding models for um, how that research is done. The problem is that there's no strategy around it. So the government just basically goes out and funds all of these different companies. But there's no kind of strategic linking of a strategy that kind of goes past it. And a good way to think about it is it's New Year's. You're like, I'm going to get healthy this year. My plan's to get healthy. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do all this great stuff. I'm going to look fabulous by June. Everyone's going to want to talk to me at the beach. <laughs> and that's my plan. The government has kind of, in this sort of journey, only done the buying of the gym membership. They actually haven't gone to the gym. So what they've done is they've spent, you know, 150 bucks for a month pass to, to Good Life or to some other gym, you know, and then, you know, a couple months rolls around and they wonder why they're not in shape. I, well, I bought the gym membership. Like, why, why, why aren't I in shape? And that's kind of where some of these programs kind of start. Yeah, we've given money. We've supported it in that essence. And that look, that's the first thing you got to do. But then you actually have to go there and you got to work out and you got to be strategic and you got to think about, you know, which weights you're going to lift or what you're going to have for dinner and kind of the complexity of it. So what I would say is we've already kind of spent the money and this next part that comes next doesn't actually require a lot of additional capital. It does require some allocation of staff in, you know, ministries and that type of thing. Experts, yeah, and and engagement and stuff, you know, stuff that that is not actually super expensive. It's actually just hard. That's the problem. And I like, you know, collectively coming together again and again and again to build a strategy. Like it sounds easy, but actually it's a bit more difficult because you've got to deal with, you know, varying interests and capacities. And so what I would say is that what we're proposing isn't going to cost billions of dollars. We're already spending the money. We're just saying let's spend it more strategically. And let's spend it on areas that can actually be successful. Now, to tie back to your comment about healthcare and the environment, right? One, as we're beginning to build out this this sector of the economy, let's put in requirements around us trying to meet, you know, our Paris uh, commitment uh, requirements around, you know, carbon. And as we're building this new economy, yeah, let's let's make sure that we're hitting all those clean technology um, uh, opportunities, but also um, meeting uh, emission standards and those components. And then kind of your debate on real healthcare. I think this is actually kind of the, the nugget in all of this that's really, really important is that Canada's innovation um, capacity kind of fell off a cliff in the 90s. Um, and economists kind of look that if we had continued down our traditional uh, path of innovation in terms of building kind of capacity, there would be tens of billions of dollars more added to our GDP as a country per year. And that money would be taxed and that money could go into paying for programs. And so rather than the government thinking specifically about, you know, how do we, how do we divide the pie even further? You know, our thing is like, let's make another pie, right? So we have more capacity and more wealth and, you know, the ability to spend more money on social programs. And the concerning piece is, Canada's actually falling behind, right? If you look at us from a global innovation index, we've slid down uh, to 21st uh, behind Slovenia. That is not uh, meant to be besmirching of Slovenia in terms of their capabilities, uh, but we're behind Slovenia. Like <laughs> we've got to really figure out this, you know, this kind of component. And 
you look at our um, uh, income wage comparison to Americans, uh, it is, you know, now considerably different in terms of the Americans um, average medium income. And part of that has to do with the way that the innovation economy works since sort of a winner takes all. And so we're actually seeing Canada slide backwards. So whether it's semiconductors, whether it's some other area in the innovation economy, Canada has to really figure out comprehensive strategies in order for us to win in those sectors, because that's what every other country does. And, you know, if you look at somewhere like Switzerland, they do it in the biopharma space, right? Like you, you do try and go compete against the Swiss people in biopharma, mm -hmm. right? Like they, they got you locked down, right? If you look at somewhere like South Korea, it's Samsung and digital screens and their capacity there, which is like super amazing, right? And that's what we have to figure out as a country. I think we've often really just relied on our, our resource uh, strength. Um, but when you look at what's going to happen with things like climate change, when you look at what's going to happen with the way that these things are ultimately determined, like, can we rely on oil and gas to prop up our GDP per person in 25 years? The answer is no. So <laughs> our real comment here is the tide is going out, right? And we're going to find out who's naked. And I really think that if we want to fund healthcare in this country in a comprehensive way, I think healthcare is, you know, one of the things that we should be funding. There's also education and other components. But if we fast forward 20 years from now and we look at the landscape, you know, if these trends continue, it will be the continued diminishing of funding of those programs because we just don't generate the tax revenue to fund them. And that, I think, for me, is really kind of the scary component. So this is existential in order for us to pay for healthcare in the future. So whether or not, you know, it's number one in terms of the government's priority, um, sure. But beginning to find some places in the innovation economy where Canada can be winners is how we're actually going to fund this stuff. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. I think that's also a perfect point for us to end the interview here. But thank you so much for joining us and providing us all these insights about innovation in Canada, as, as well as the semiconductor industry in uh, Canada. I personally have learned a lot from you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I know we had concerns about whether or not we'd fill the time. Um, as you can maybe tell, I'm quite passionate about this stuff. So I, I could have gone more on. questions to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I could have gone on. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines on CAUT 89.5 FM. That wraps up our show for this week. You're joined today by Antonia Hamadi and Benjamin Bergen. Many thanks to them for coming onto our show to discuss the US and China semiconductor war and its further implication to Canada and the innovation sector. Today's show was produced by myself, Vicky Lee, alongside my co-producer, Ragni Panwar. If you liked our today's episode, please like and review us wherever you're listening. The views expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of the producers, CIUT, or the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy. If you missed any part of the show, be sure to check us out on our website at www.beyondtheheadlines.net, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you're a fan of our show and want to stay up to date with policy issues in Canada, follow up on Twitter at Beyond the Headlines, that is at B-Y-O-N-D underscore headlines. You can also check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Be sure to tune in next week as we continue to take public policy discussions out of the hallways and onto the airways. Bye-bye now.